Welcome back, everybody, to the More You Nerd. We're doing things a little differently this week as we have some special ghosts. We're talking to Mike and Cheska from Contigo Games to talk about one of my favorite PAX experiences of the last three years Starcrossed. This week, we have Mike and Cheska from Contigo Games to talk to us about their game Starcrossed, which is coming onto consoles next week. Mike, Cheska, thank you for joining us this week. Hey, how's it going? Thanks so much for having us. We're super excited to be yeah, chatting hello. with y'all again. Yeah, or should we say having yeah. you back? Because it's been almost three years to the three day. Years? That with some a couple of weeks in between since the last time you guys came on talking about this game in a much earlier form. <laughs> yeah, that's so incredible to me. And we chatted three years ago because, yeah, this has definitely been a long term project for us. But yeah, sometimes I forget just just how long it's been in development. Games take a long time. Yeah, that's and that's so something this, that people don't really think about and that it doesn't matter the game. It's not something that you throw together over mm -hmm. the course of a weekend. Yeah, absolutely. This month was initially supposed to be Indie Games Month before, you know, everything went crazy. And I had talked to you guys at PAX this year about coming on the show. But it actually works out because your game absolutely fits into the comfort food category. And it's one game that both uh, my girlfriend Krista and I kept coming back to the entire show. Whenever we needed a break from the craziness of PAX, we would sit down and play um, Starcross with, with each other and talk to you guys for a little bit for what we thought was probably too long. Cause we, we kept, we kept bugging you guys. <laughs> no, not, not at all. all. <laughs> it was so nice. Like just uh, after talking to a bunch of people, like I go like, Oh, and I look around, I'm like, ooh, familiar face. I'm like, hey, yeah. how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's actually really <laughs> <was> nice. nice. <laughs> we just we just kept coming back. It was um especially for me, because being able to to play something with her, like she stopped playing games around the 16-bit era. And because she has difficulty with a lot of modern games, there's just too much going on. Mm -hmm. She yeah. gets sensory overload. She gets really frustrated, especially with like twin sticks and stuff. So for her to really glom onto a game really meant a lot to, to both of us because she was genuinely just stoked to be playing a video game that she felt gave her a real challenge because it's a challenging game, but it's relaxing, it's, mm -hmm. it's soothing, and we had the absolute best time. Um, but for, for those of us, or for those of our listeners who may not have heard of the game yet or have not played it, do you guys mind giving a little bit of an elevator pitch for the game? Yeah, absolutely. So the quick pitch is uh, Starcrust is a two-player action arcade game about magical girls in space. So it's entirely cooperative, built around um, two-player um, local co-op, um, but you can also play online using Steam's remote play together feature. But the entire design of it was really intended to be something that was more um, intimate and very focused on this idea of like teamwork and communication um, during somewhat hectic gameplay. Um, yeah. And to go more specific into how the game plays, um, you can kind of imagine an old school arcade shooter, um, 2D, um, but instead of shooting bullets, your weapon is actually the star that bounces between you and your partner. 
So you need to work together to use your positioning on the screen to hit the enemies with that star. Um, and really the only way to succeed is to be in sync with your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's such a great co-op game. And one thing that I really noticed is it feels like it should be super easy. Like the layout <laughs> is very, it's very nice and simple, but there's so much strategy involved. How do you kind of balance that act of like, we're going to make this hard enough to give our players a challenge and they have to strategize. But for some reason, even, even when we died, I never felt frustrated. Like that's a really fine line. <laughs> you guys just, I mean, killed that. Thank you so much. You. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's lovely to hear that. Cause that was definitely our intention. Um, we wanted to make something that, you know, the, I mean, I think this is every game designer's dream, right. It's like something that's easy to pick up and uh, easy to start playing, but more difficult to master once you get into like the complexities of the game. So we really wanted to create something that was more um, approachable and accessible to um you know, most players or any player who wanted to pick it up. Um, but yeah, finding ways to fine tune the game to find that challenge for players as well. Yeah, it, it was super important to us to keep the idea of like an arcade machine in mind. So an arcade machine, you have yeah. to be able to learn how to play that game in 30 seconds. Yeah. And then you're you're rolling. That was like kind of our intention <laughs> with Starcrossed is to <laughs> need to pick it up, like put in a quarter, pick up the game, and then you can kind of work to get better at it over time. Yeah, and I think also I, because uh, going off of this idea of like the the arcade style gameplay, um, because Starcrossed is like the the gameplay of it, the action arcade gameplay side of it is pretty fast paced. Yeah. So we didn't want the player to be like having to remember like button combinations or do these complex maneuvers. Right. We wanted it to really flow and go back and forth quickly. So we tried to keep the the amount of buttons that we were using also um, as low as we could. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was also important to us. Yeah, we tested out a lot of different mechanics and different things you could do with the star, but a lot of them just kind of broke the flow of the game. Yeah. Um, so it was like, keep, it was one of the things we found out like keeping it simple is definitely better. Yeah, I think that's something we don't talk about a lot is that we did uh, prototype a ton of additional mechanics during the development of the game um, because we wanted it to be more complex. We thought it needed more stuff. <laughs> and then we put it in there and it just like absolutely wasn't working. I, rem- so. I remember it's the a, last time you guys were on talking about how each character was going to have this special move that they could do. and, and- Yeah, so like, so they, we, they do have like ultimate abilities, but like we were yes. yeah, toying with this idea of like, stats for a while um we were trying to figure out how to make uh, like a single player that only had one character mm-hmm. um we were for a while prototyping um so as mike mentioned i the, forgot about yeah that. as 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 mike mentioned like the mechanic is that you have this star and it, it's traveling on a rail between you and your partner so it's a straight line and it's completely controlled by your position and for a while we started prototyping this mechanic of like what if you could do like a hook shot and like like arc the star around the screen um, and sort of like aim it in different directions and all this different stuff. And we prototyped it and it just, it was really neat. And I think if like, if we took that cool idea and put it in a different game, I would love it, but it just <laughs> right. wasn't working for this, Yeah, which is I, really weird. Last time, go ahead, Drew. I was going to say, it's, it's, it's really interesting because it's kind of like, the way that the star works is kind of like keep away, except you want it to hit things in the <laughs> yeah. path between right. your two people. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the, that was honestly the the hardest part for me to get around is like making sure that I was in the right spot with the other person, and I'm 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 not great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's you have to kind of relearn some things because because the game is so relaxing and because the game 
is not challenging you to catch the star. And that was something that I think it took me a little bit the first time I played it, is my mind was still not comprehending, oh, wait, I don't have to catch the star. The star is going to come yeah. to me no matter where I am. And I, like, I'm not going to miss it. And mm-hmm. so th- this this last time that uh, we played it at PAX, I, I, I had learned that since then because I played on Steam <laughs> and everything. <laughs> It, it was it was a much more thrilling <laughs> uh, thing to do. Um, I, I was kind of curious uh, because there's not enough magical girl stuff in the world. Oh, agreed. how you guys 100%. settled on on using magical girls as your your storytelling mechanic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, most of it is centered around like the the theming of the game and the aesthetic of the game really came out of this like this focus on the two player cooperative gameplay. Cause we were thinking about like, Oh yeah, we definitely want to have like, we want to have two characters. We want them to have to work together. We want there to be a focus on like their relationship and on forming a bond. Um, and when we started thinking about like, you know, what aesthetics suit this sort of theming or like what stories do we know that are centered around this theming? Uh, we started thinking about like, about magical girls mm-hmm. um, or even like, if you think about like uh, even just like power Rangers and stuff, like things that are focused on like teams, right. And like team dynamics and different characters coming together um, to work together to accomplish something they couldn't do by themselves. Um, and Miles, I also I'm gonna, just, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, have yeah. to stop, I have to stop miles because bef- I can see it on his screen. <laughs> He's like, did I, <laughs> I said the magic word. Power Rangers. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. I think that there's like, there's something that's really appealing about that type of media, right? Of these like teams, right. like magical teams. I think because you always have a character that's like your favorite and you identify with, but you mm-hmm. get to see them like bounce their personality off of these other characters, which is really neat. Mm-hmm. I, I do feel like yeah. for, for some members of our audience, we do need to define the magical girl because, mm-hmm. and, and, <laughs> and, and this kind of comes to, as we talk about this, this comfort food and going back to things from, from, at least for my youth that I go back yeah. to a lot, uh, the magical girl team I think of first and foremost is Sailor Moon and That's the Sailor Scouts. The definitive one. Yeah, absolutely. Probably the definitive one for the American audience who grew up in the 90s. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I, I, think, I think Sailor Moon invented the magical girl, didn't, didn't it? I think it was the one of the the most prominent ones of that time, and definitely for Western audiences, it was I think the the first one to really be like localized and brought over like to Western audiences. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's like I, where did I put Sailor Jupiter? She's over there. She's usually on my desk. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like these Always are these are yeah these are shows that I grew up with, right? Um, so. Um, it's just a really big influence for me as well. Um, and when we started exploring art styles, um, so we brought on our artist who's also, you know, um, grew up with Sailor Moon and like Tokyo Mew Mew was a really big one for us as well. Um, Cardcaptor Sakura, like all of these things came together um, and I think worked really well with her style, right? So it was like when we were developing the visual identity of the game, it just like, it, it, it clicked, I think like immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also it sticks out. I mean, the the, the artwork is is gorgeous, Thank you. and the characters are designed amazingly. So, like when you walk when you walk by, because I mean, the, the very first time I, I, I saw Star Cross three years ago, like I just I saw that banner and I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I mean, it looks like a magical girl thing. Yes, yeah. like, this, this mm-hmm. looks cool. And about I I went to to tell Chris I was going to check this game out. She was already making a beeline towards. The game. <laughs> Like she, she she saw that artwork and she zeroed in on it real quick. Yeah, and um, 
I mean, it's it's for us. This game was love at first sight, and it's one of the games that we have very much wanted to like make sure that we always promote when we can. But yeah, thank you. This is a game that I think, especially in a let's just say difficult time, like having a break to play something that's relaxing that mm-hmm. focuses on positive aspects, and is just it's pure cooperation. I think is is fantastic and. I love the fact that we're going to be able to play it on home consoles mm-hmm. and it comes out on uh, so the 24th and it's going to be nine ninety nine next week. It's uh, yeah. Nine ninety nine. It'll be out on the 29th, which is Wednesday, Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday next week, mm-hmm. a week from so. the time that you're hearing this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> which is crazy. So this is perfect timing. Um, I wanted to to talk a little bit about the story mode because I don't think yeah. we had talked about that the last time we spoke to you. What, no, what is I the don't, core story for Starcross? Yeah, I don't think it existed last it existed time we talked. It existed in a very vague sense last time I, we I, talked yeah. about it. Yeah. I mentioned I be, that I it was, was in the plan. Yeah. yeah, so the, um, yeah. Yeah, the development history of story mode is that we actually scrapped it, I think, three or four times, a couple um, times yeah. in different different forms because we always knew we wanted to have some sort of narrative and story um, with these characters. But when we were looking at like scope of the game and how much time we wanted to put into the game, um, you know, our, our timeline kept shifting. And the first thing we were we always cut was like, oh, I guess we can't do story mode. So I'm so glad we got to do story mode. <laughs> um, it changed shapes many times over over the years. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I'm really happy with where it landed because it's like has a huge focus on the character interactions, which mm-hmm. I'm glad that that made its way into the game because it's yeah. such an important part of this game. Yeah, and I think as you said, like the, a big pull for people is the characters. Like they see the banner and they see the art, and they're like, "I want to know more about these characters, and yeah. I want to hang out with them." Um, so I think that's why we were like, we have we have to make a story mode. Well, let's right? let's talk about some of these characters yeah. because you have some really awesome designs and some really unique designs between the different characters. It's not all of them wearing the same outfit with a different color scheme on Mm -hmm. it. There are some, Mm -hmm. some very different body types, different, different everything. Uh, So yeah, absolutely. uh, Let's go through some of those because I'm, I'm intrigued and interested. Yeah. Um, So I love our characters so much and I'm absolutely thrilled that other people love them as well. Um, people have been like sending us fan art since the game came out and it just like, I don't know, my heart explodes every time. Um, but so our, our cast, yeah, as you mentioned, it was, it was designed to be a more inclusive version of magical girl media because when you do look at um, a lot of magical girl content, it's coming from Japan and we do get a lot of like, you know, um, very pale skinned, very skinny, um, very like right. conventionally attractive women, right? Or like, I guess like young girls usually, cause they're usually in their like teenage right. years. Um, so that was something that we wanted to break away from a little bit as we did our character designs. Um, so our cast is a little bit older. Um, we have non-binary characters, we have characters of color. Um, and yeah, we also wanted to showcase different body types. So we have one uh, woman who is like, Canonically, she's like eight feet tall and she's super buff and I love her so much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think like that's something that people see and they're able to see themselves represented, but they're also able to see that um, we as a team value different people and different stories. And we're trying to pull that into this game. I think I think that really comes across. And I, I love I don't know. I just I love all of these characters like 
every single one, like one looks like a pop idol and mm-hmm. super kind of bubbly. One one definitely looks like you don't want to mess with them at all. Yeah. Like, like if you said the right word, like the wrong word, you might get your your you know face broke. Um, but they they all have different personalities, and that comes across just in the artwork. I mean, I haven't had the chance to play the story mode yet, so I can't tell you what these characters personalities are in the game but it comes across in the artwork so naturally that i i definitely think that anyone who has even a passing interest in magical girl or just the characters themselves i think will be immediately drawn in because uh, man i just <laughs> i love the way these characters look i'm super glad to hear that and i'm not gonna i won't spoil anything for story mode but we do have an all-new cast of bad guy characters that you'll be able to meet as well and we oh. we don't we purposefully do not post their artwork or really <laughs> share a lot of that content anywhere because we want it to be a surprise for story mode but people have been loving those character oh, designs yeah. as well so that's been really oh, nice I'm excited yeah uh, because- <laughs> Well, I mean, because my the way my my setup is, I, it's not optimized for two player uh, on PC. So mm-hmm. like, even though I bought the 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 game on Steam, I think I kickstarted it too. Thank like, you. I I wanted to wait until we could play like on the Switch mm-hmm. to like really have a focused experience that I knew wouldn't yeah. be bothered by my my raggedy system. Yeah, I think <laughs> and, I think consoles is just yeah, it's the it's the ideal way to play this game, and I'm like extremely grateful that we were able to make it happen because as a small team, it's really, it's really difficult to get onto consoles. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I'm just really happy it's happening. I would actually (laughs) like to ask you guys about, because we've had indie developers on, but it's just always escaped me to ask about the process of getting any game, uh, not just an uh, indie game that was on steam, but a game onto a console. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want to, um, it's like a magical process. <laughs> it's very <laughs> mystical. I think, yeah, our our process and our journey there was is a little unconventional. We do, got do you need a, a, an eight yeah. foot tall woman with horns to yes to walk into Nintendo <laughs> and be like, hey, give me a dev kit. And <laughs> well, not, not, yeah, just not just that, but like you know, the process of getting a dev kit, or mm-hmm. I mean. Some people don't even really know what dev kits are for. Like, is right. it just for porting your game, or do you have to redevelop the game for a console? So I can do, like, a summary of that. So, yeah, to get a, a game onto one of the home consoles, you have to get a dev kit from the platform holders. So you have to contact Xbox, Microsoft, um, sorry, Xbox, PlayStation, or Nintendo, <laughs> um, and they all have their own process for getting a dev kit. And they also cost money. Um, it's not like they hand it to you for free. Um, it's usually... a decent amount of money. Um, And then once you have it, that's like a piece of tech that you now have to get your game to support, um, get your game on it. Mm -hmm. Um, We used Unity to develop StarCrossed. Um, So Unity as a game engine actually handles a good chunk of the work for getting the game onto all these different platforms. Um, Unreal is also pretty similar. They handle a good amount of that work. If you make your own engine, there's like a lot of work you have to do to make sure your game actually runs. Um, like, not even like works well to make sure it actually just starts up on the yeah. console. <laughs> and then you're gonna run issues about it working well. It's interesting that you say that because I know of some games that are, were self-published on PC and Steam, but are co-published on console and there's mm-hmm. a version mm-hmm. like uh stardew valley is one of them that uh went through had went through a third party company to do all yeah. that that publishing arm of stuff mm-hmm. for the console and mobile releases so those versions are always two or three updates behind yeah yeah so it's yeah it's it's very common because it is difficult to get dev kits it is very common that um independent 
like developers will hire someone to do their ports or will work with, um, a, yeah, a third party or another company or another developer mm-hmm. who already has access to a, to a dev kit. Um, so that, that is really common as well. So, um, yeah, so our journey onto console. Um, so we were actually approached by our publisher, Waythorn Digital, um, I guess about two two years ago yeah, one one or two years ago two years ago. Two um, years ago so they they approached us um and they do all of their porting in-house um so they handle all of the console ports mm. um so we actually did not have to go through the process of getting dev kits we didn't have to do the porting ours i know right it was um <laughs> we got super lucky and we're really mm-hmm. grateful they reached out to us um so that that process was really kind of painless, pain, yeah. like painless for us. Yeah, so once we started the actual porting process, like Whitethorn was able to, like we gave them access to our code base, so they were able to pull the code, make builds themselves, everything was going, it goes pretty smoothly. Mm-hmm. And then on each console, you run into a few bugs here and there. Like yeah. we had some weird like graphical effects issues on the Xbox that we yeah. bounced back and forth. And then uh, our game supports online leaderboards and achievements. So for each of the platforms, those had to be hooked up to their respective platforms. So uh, Whitethorn handled a lot of that. So like we built our base achievement system, but then they kind of piped it to uh, Xbox's things and yeah. piped it to PlayStation's things. Yeah. That's that's nice. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I know just a fraction of game development, a very, very tiny slice. And that is... That's really fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do want to actually talk about this because you guys have talked about how uh, each platform is a little different. And next week, I, I noticed you guys are coming out on Switch and Xbox, and you guys have talked about PlayStation. Do you guys mm-hmm. want to talk about what it's like developing a game and trying to release a game during a global pandemic? <laughs> yeah, I think we are, like, our, our timeline feels... I think less affected than it could have been um, because the PC, Mac and Linux versions are already out. Right. Mm -hmm. So we, um, yeah, like, as we said, like we were at PAX, we had a big presence at PAX with the Indie Mega booth. Um, We were able to talk to press there. We were able to get some visibility. um, And at that point the game was already out. Um, So we were, we were able to promote it in that way. Um, And, uh, people knew the console versions were coming. It wasn't mm-hmm. a secret. So we were also able to promote that. Um, so now it's sort of like we are just making sure that we're making, we're like keeping our presence on online active um, up until we make the big announcement that the game is out. Um, but I am working on some other games that um, like one of which was meant to be at the mega booth at GDC. And that was meant to be our big uh, like announcement presence of oh, this game yeah, is coming yeah. out and look at us. Uh, yeah. So it's, and I think now that we don't have these physical spaces where we can go and like meet with press and it's not like a concentrated event, it's really difficult, I think, for smaller indies mm-hmm. to get noticed yeah. or even to know how to reach out to these folks otherwise. What's the name of the game again? Oh, we should talk. Sorry. <laughs> I was like, should I plug my other game on this podcast? I was actually going to ask you about it because yeah. it's a really cool idea oh, as you. well. And honestly... I want to plug as much indie stuff as we can. So by Thanks all so means, much. please. Take and, and Miles didn't talk. tell me about this before we started tonight. So. <laughs> no, no worries. Yeah, I um, I have a, I have a lot of on ongoing projects. I like to stay very busy. Um, so we should talk is a short form narrative game, uh, and the the core mechanic of it is, is that um, instead of choosing dialogue options, we have what we're calling a sentence spinner, which you combine fragments of sentences into like one coherent response. So it's very very 
dynamic and um, we're exploring this idea of like the nuance of language and mm-hmm. how you can say you can say the same thing many different ways and yeah. it communicates differently. Um, but since this is sort of like, it's, it's, it's a small, it takes like 20 minutes to play narrative game. And it's really difficult to find an audience or like even explain what it is. Like we're definitely hitting a wall and kind of struggling to find ways to reach out to press and get noticed. Um, I feel like fortunately Starcrossed was a little less affected by having to go totally digital. Is it, um, I mean, would you call it a visual novel in any sense of the way? I think so. I think, yeah, if I were to assign a genre, I think that's probably the closest one that people would associate it with. Um, it's all text-based. Um, so so it is mostly, yeah, it's reading and text-focused. Because especially in the West, we're, we, we're very liberal with how we use the term visual novel anyway. So. <laughs> Do I have to read at all? It's a visual novel. <laughs> like, that's a book. <laughs> Mass Effect is a visual novel because of... <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, that that's one that I... Because, I mean, main, the main reason I go to PAX is to spend time with the indie games. I don't really pay that much attention to a lot of the, mm. the bigger titles, the big three, and even some of the, like, Square and all that. Like, I'll walk by and I'll... Uh, you know, yeah, the, the Final Fantasy Seven bike is cool, but I. It was very we, cool. We spent. Yeah, it was, it was very cool. I'm, I'm not to downplay that. I mean, I did. No offense, I, did make I was time. super jealous of not getting to ride on the oh, Final no. Fantasy Seven yeah. bike because I didn't go this year. Yeah, Drew but. couldn't join us this year. Um, and I mean, I did. I did actually take some time to to get a picture taken with Tom Nook, but nice. The majority of the time is spent playing these indie games, and that's I think one of the most fun things about PAX. And it's mm-hmm. also, I think, one of the things that leads me to always walk away from PAX feeling like creatively buzzed because you get to yeah. talk to people who have these really cool ideas who are trying to use the medium in strange, different, and familiar ways to showcase the art form of video games. Because I don't care what Roger Eber says, I respect him as a writer, but video games are an art form. And I mean, nothing says that like like a game like Starcrossed and a lot of the indie games that were being developed on the floor, uh, we saw one called Spirit Fairer, which was a very emotive game about dealing with death. And you can, the, the big plus for, for my girlfriend was that you could hug all the creatures. And that's her big <laughs> mark against Animal Crossing is she can't hug everybody. That's, that's she just thing. needs, to, she needs to get the hug emote. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like she, she like, it's an eight out of ten because she can't hug things, but in Spirit Fair you can. When there when there is an entire Twitter account dedicated to promoting games where you can pet the, pet dogs the dog and Man, and hating on games like, where you can't pet the dogs. That is- y'all, I tried to get a dog in Starcross so bad. We just couldn't do it. <laughs> oh my this god, to having space dogs. I was I I made like I made like a pitch. I was like ready. Like I I, I can tell you right now, if you sold that as DLC, this household would buy it day one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, one one fifty DLC character. It is a space dog with a magic yeah. wand in its mouth. With a big, like, it could be yeah. a space tennis racket. It, it, I'm going to sneak it in there someday. I'd be down with it. I am down for some Leica DLC. Yeah. But, the, but this, is, awesome. this is where I do want to just talk about this from, from an indie game developer, because yeah. I've seen a lot of, like, the E3 Expo is has been the biggest thing that it's it's canceled this year, and it's going all digital this year, but then it's actually maybe not going all digital this year. And the big... Mm-hmm. The big thing about that, because that's probably the most 
outside of gamer world uh, 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 conferences that people know about and makes yeah. news. Mm-hmm. And with that going all digital and not happening at all, it's easy for companies like Sony and Microsoft to just say, "Yeah, we're not going. Yep. Yeah, we're not going. We're going to do our own thing," because they they have yeah. their own social media platforms with billions of people that are yeah, paying attention to them. Yeah, they've got State of Play and Nintendo Direct. It, and- it, it's it's difficult uh, for. I mean, I'm not a game developer. I would think it would be difficult to get to get screen time to get to get reporter mm-hmm. time to get any any kind of notice without mm-hmm. these yeah. big events and the, the, sorry the weird part about uh, e3 being like the, what's happening with it this year like they are not gonna have a show floor but like like nintendo's been doing nintendo directs for e3 anyway and like everyone else has their own way of doing like a live stream uh for instance like playstation when gdc got canceled they switched their GDC talk to just be a live stream. And that's when they started talking about the PS5 architecture. Yeah. Um, so I think like the way people watch E3 from home, that experience will still be there because yeah. everyone's going to line up their big announcements uh, to be watched online or on TV somewhere. Um, and like, that'll probably be there. But the thing that's like gone is all the business that happens behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, the things that people don't see is like, people meeting a publisher and saying, Hey, how are you? And then two years down the line, that meeting turning into a business relationship. Yeah. Like that's all the stuff that is not going to happen this year, which could like, I don't know. Like yeah, it's going to affect a lot of companies. Games. Yeah. And, and, E3 is like a massive amount of meetings. Yeah. And, and, and that's the stuff that, Oh, you know, Sony insomniac games, Ubisoft, they're not going to have that problem, but, but our, our mm-hmm. smaller developers are, are going to the people that are trying to make, to break through and that's where you know our audience is small but but dedicated and uh, i'm i'm happy to have you guys on whenever you want to talk about this stuff oh, just because yeah it's, thank you <laughs> stuff yeah matters. i think it's man mm-hmm. it's yeah it's really hard to get noticed as a as a smaller team especially like we're we are a team that this is our first like big commercial release right um under this name so um yeah, we've been working on Starcross for four years now. And over that time, we've been able to build a following and people know us because we do make this effort to go out to events and like meet people in yeah. real space and like mm-hmm. get to know get to know you and talk about the game. Um, so that's been really important for us. But um, yeah, I think it's just it's it's immensely difficult to get noticed. Even we're we're realizing like how vital it is to like get featured on steam because if you're mm-hmm. not featured if you're not on the front page you get buried immediately and no one finds you yeah. <laughs> in the By, depths of steam what's the timer immediately it's like it's literally like 30 seconds or something like you're on the front page for maybe 30 seconds because the game comes out every seven seconds exactly so it's just it goes it goes so quickly and unless you're you're pulling in those numbers on day one you get buried immediately and it's really hard for new eyes to find you on those storefronts. Um, yeah. So it's people rely on these events because people will walk by and see your banner and it's a much more kind of like in your face sort of, sort of way to get, get eyeballs. But yeah, marketplaces are, are really difficult. Yeah. Because I mean, I know, I know Nintendo has done a better job at least with the switch, you know, having indie focused uh, mm-hmm. directs and stuff, mm-hmm. but yeah, that a 30 second spot there, you don't really get the soul of a game, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have been sold like uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts. Like I mm-hmm. bought that game because, based off a of direct, and it. I mean, yeah. But I also feel like if I had met that team two years ago, you know, and being able to follow 
I had never heard of it, you know? And yeah. I think like that, that's why I've been so fortunate having been able to go to PAX the, the few times that I have, you know, I, I got to meet you guys and I've met other teams where I have followed games that are still not out mm-hmm. um, and, or games that like had just come out this year. And one, I think for anyone who's a fan of the medium, it's really an eye-opening experience as to how difficult it is to get a game even out yeah. and mm-hmm. get developed. But you also get to know the people behind the game, and I think that's equally important because I mm-hmm. think this industry, you don't get that enough. Like, yeah, you get some weird press piece, in, uh, like like interviews with Kojima or something, but you don't really get to, to know people, I feel like, mm-hmm. in this industry as much in terms of yeah. the... Um, the marketing, but there, there the, aren't too the many media. auteurs that you think of in gaming. That there's not a Steven Spielberg of gaming. Well, it's not even just that, but like mm. you know personalities in almost any other medium. But gaming, yeah, you have you have like these the the, the big ones, but you don't you don't you don't really know them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think something that's been interesting to me also that I've realized as I you know have been in the industry for a while is that like these like yeah, sort of like a tour people, they do exist, but they're like, I, I guess like what I'm trying to say is like, there's this like within the industry knowledge hive mind of like, I know these people and everyone in the industry knows these people, but people outside of the industry don't know these people. Right. right? So I, and I feel like that's a struggle with indie games as well is that there's sort of like, you can be known amongst other developers because you're in those networks. But I think breaking out into like common audiences, right. And Mm -hmm. people who are actually going to purchase your game. I think that's the place where a lot of smaller studios get stuck. Well, and that's what I I wish there was more of like a periodical that was dedicated to really getting to know these smaller teams and, and putting names to faces, uh, you know, more podcasts, Mm -hmm. having game developers on there and talking frequently so that people really kind of get to know the people behind the games, but Mm -hmm. also they start learning how to keep up with indie developers themselves so that the industry doesn't have to rely or the indie scene doesn't have to rely so much on getting a bone thrown by, you know, a Nindy direct or, Mm -hmm. you know, a back deal is, is that you will have at least a built in audience to help support you while you guys can do the, the mainstream avenues as well, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's challenging. (laughs) And and, and a big, a big part of that game, games take time. Like we talked at the start of the show, you guys were on three years ago. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, and, and, and when you think about that, when you think like a movie could take, like they did a they did an SNL from their apartments a couple weeks ago. Oh really? Like that's yeah. It that's, was <laughs> it was it was a mixed bag. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. There was some fun stuff, but it was also, I mean, but yeah, they, they all did it from their apartments because that's that was their their means to do it. So a lot mm-hmm. of it was kind of uh, social media based humor. <laughs> like I'm. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, from a YouTuber or from a TikTok person. Yeah. And, and they I, use Zoom just like we have been. Ah. <laughs> I, I think I think I have but, to but the best but, that's come out of this is some good news. Mm. Have you guys seen that? 
Oh, that's the uh, the John Krasinski. John Krasinski's YouTube. Uh, YouTube thing that he started. It's called no. Some Good News, and uh, all he only oh, posts sorry, about is guys, good news. You guys must that's have just been busy putting out a game that you haven't paid attention to. Every I feel like I've been under a rock for like a year. <laughs> like, if you if you want to watch something that's gonna one make you cry, but also feel good about things, mm-hmm. watch John Krasinski's Some Good News. It's okay. it's just it's purely innocent and wonderful. And that's what he, I need. He does some really good things. Things. And it's it's just in its house. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I think like yeah, I've, I've yeah, I've definitely been buried in like game game world again, like this little bubble of like the games industry. Right. And mm-hmm. I feel like I've just been like <laughs> buried in okay. here. <laughs> so as as to indie developers, yeah, what is something that you would like to see? Not maybe a change, but what would you like to see? a shift in in terms of communicating with an audience or what do you think is needed to kind of break down that barrier between the developer and getting their product seen? Yeah, that's a difficult question. I think because we also are very new to this like more commercial side of making games because we've been making games for a while, for a long time at this point. Um, and right. we both have day jobs also working in games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like, yeah, this is our first like adventure into independent marketing and and you know getting a game out there and trying to make people look at it and try to make them like it mm-hmm. um yeah right. I, yeah and i definitely think we're we're still learning to navigate like yeah how do we break out of like yeah all my indie dev friends know about my game and they're going to buy my game and that's really nice that we're all supporting each other but like how do i get someone who doesn't know me on the internet who's like browsing Twitter or Steam or something and sees this game, how do I convince them that this is worth their time and something that they're going to enjoy and be interested in? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is, it's part marketing and yeah. I think part just, um, yeah, navigating this, this space. Yeah. Just getting eyeballs in front of it. Cause I can, I have friends who you use the word magical girl and they are already interested, you know, they're yeah. already there. I, I've, I've shared the game with them and they're like, wow, man, I, I don't have someone to play with this right now, but I'm definitely going to get this game because this is 100% relevant to my interests. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think there's there's there is a big audience for this type of content. I think it's just been it's been difficult I think for us to reach them or figure mm-hmm. out like how to how to get this content in front of them. Um, so it's a, it's an ongoing thing and but I think that's a struggle universally with all games. Well, I uh, yeah. sp- spoiler warning for next week. Yeah. Uh, there is a five-year-old little girl who is going to get to play this game next week. (laughs) I will be happy to, I will, I will be happy to share with you what her favorite character is. Yes. It will probably be the blonde one because she's blonde and she typically associates with every blonde character because she's blonde. Uh, but uh, my her experience with gaming because she's she's only five. She, it's very new. She's played a lot of Animal Crossing in the last nice. few weeks. All she does is capture bugs and fish, and then nice. put, and then put those things all over my island to the point where I can find later. I cannot. That's so thoughtful. They are her. They are her. They are her pets. And I can't move them, even though I can't get to the rock that I need to hit to get the iron out of it. it. Walking in, there's like fish tanks hidden behind trees. (laughs) 
But uh, so uh, her her gaming experience in the last couple of weeks has been watching me play a little bit of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she loves it every time that Tifa is on screen and I get oh, to play. Oh, gosh, me too. As Tifa. <laughs> well, she should. And she, Same. <laughs> and she wants to grab the controller and punch the bad guys as Tifa. And that is one of those things where I look at I look at her and I look at the gaming landscape for her as she grows up. And I want to see more stuff that she could get into that she could see herself in. Mm-hmm. And that's where where a game like Starcrossed with all of the different characters and all of the different body styles and hairstyles and, yeah. and just personality types is is something that I hope that she gets involved in. And mm-hmm. yes, I will be replaying sections over and over again because, well, she's five and no offense to my five-year-old daughter, she's not that great at games yet. <laughs> Must take after her dad. But, <laughs> but it, it's, 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 a situ- it's a situation where I am looking forward to playing this with her next week and then my eight-year-old son getting jealous that <laughs> and then him jumping into the mix and getting involved in this too oh, fantastic yes <laughs> so uh so th- this is where i'm i'm excited about about this and about playing this because again uh, he's been out on steam it's not as easy for us to gather around a computer as it yeah. is for us to gather yeah. around a tv and this is where i'm excited for for you guys with this uh yeah because thank you so much I'm yeah, saying. I'm really excited I mean, th- uh, to hear how she likes it as well. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think every single event we go to, there is always a moment where we get a young girl who runs over, uh, like, yelling because she's like, there's cool girls in this game, and they're on the banner, and they're yeah. huge, and they're strong, and they're sparkly, and I'm here for it. And, like, that's exactly <laughs> the reaction that we want It's like, we stand out, I think, like when we go to PAX because we're in this commercial area of games that tend to be very violent and very masculine. And that's just a reality of the industry. Um, I do see a shift right now. Like yeah. there's this really great movement of like cozy games that are happening. Um, yes. And I think like, you know, Animal Crossing even like proves people want that content. Um, Switches and have I been think it's, sold out for a month because of exactly, Animal Crossing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So like people want this content and I think the industry understands that now and we're making that shift. Um, but I definitely see it starting at the indie game level. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, it's just, it's it's really important to us and I think I'm really grateful we were able to make this game at all um, that we were able to find support for it because of moments like that where we see how much it's appreciated and how much it just completely changes um, you know a little girl's perspective of like what are games and like who are they for and who makes them as well like when they run up to our booth and they see like you know they see me there um, then they're like oh wait I can I can I could do that I can make a game um, so yeah, it just, it makes me really happy. Yeah, PAX East this year, compared to last time we were on the show floor, like two years ago. Yeah. Um, I think two years ago when we had a banner, we were probably the only splash of pink on pink the show thing. floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we stood out quite nicely, which is great for us. Uh, but then yeah. this year, you can actually see, like, especially in the indie section, there was, like, way yeah. more, like, diversity across all the games in yes. terms of just, like, just the colors on the banner. Like, yeah. Like triple games are so gray. <laughs> it's not something you realize until you're on like a pack show floor and you're right. like, wow, everything is like so like low tone. Like, what's happening here? Yeah. 
serious. When you serious can see them business. all at once, it like stands out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, and this it's... year, I, out, outside of um, seeing a lot of Metroidvania games, which you kind of always see these days, mm-hmm. most of the indie games I saw were pretty sweet. You know, they yeah. are at least very calming. Um, Evergate was one, and and that was a, a blast to play. And a lot of them had these these colorful tones, or had a very fun. I, I know our group was like super into moving out. Mm. Yeah, I love yeah. that game. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just like these really. I think that that especially there needs to be a time in games, and I think if there's ever a time in games that we just need to kind of get with silly concepts, it's now. Like mm-hmm. it's time for some silly fun or some some fun that'll make you feel good. It doesn't yeah. all have to be, you know, Cloud Strife and a Buster Sword. Mm-hmm. As much as I'm loving playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's good to have some real variety, you know, and that's <laughs> not just a different action hero. It's a different style mm-hmm. of game entirely. And I think you're right. Animal Crossing is proving that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm noticing now also people are starving, right, for multiplayer content because mm-hmm. you want to, you want things you can play online to hang out with your friends. Um, you want, you know, something you can do with your family and people that you live with. I need things to, for my children. <laughs> right, <do>. exactly. <laughs> you just, you need, you need, you need content, right? Mm-hmm. You need things. And I think people are really, yeah, now looking for yeah. multiplayer things as well or things that are easily shareable. Yeah, this well. is something that like, it blew my mind when I, Notice that I didn't notice this. They were talking about this on a different podcast. Uh, that like um, games like Destiny and like The mm-hmm. Division, these big online games, where like you feel like you're kind of doing the same things in those games, kind of repetitively. And I was like, oh, I can see that getting kind of boring. And then everyone who's playing, like, well, yeah, but I just do have to hang out with my friends. I was like, oh, I didn't think yeah, about that. Chatting. And it's yeah. literally just like a digital chat room equivalent. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's I get it. the five <laughs> last five years of my life with Destiny is is yeah. basically I get to hang out with my friends because I can't see them in person, you know, yeah. because mm-hmm. we have, we actually met one of our best friends playing Destiny. And yeah. we got to meet him at the PAX that we first met you guys was the first time we got to actually get to meet in person. That's the best. Um, <laughs> so far, the but, only time I've ever been in the same physical presence with that individual <laughs> who who may be on this show in a couple of weeks. Yeah, he actually <laughs> will be on the show in a couple of weeks. But we, because Drew lives in Georgia, I live in South Carolina, and our former co-host Mike moved to Colorado, mm-hmm. and our uh, co-host of our other podcast, Patrick, lives in Boston. So it's the only time that we get to, you know, really sit down, all chit chat and hang mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. is when we're playing Destiny. Although everyone's kind of mad at Destiny right now because the grind just kind of broke their brains <laughs> after a while. But I, I, I'm, that's I'm a such whole a different, that's, that, a, that's, that's a whole different game. I, yeah, I, I will go on a whole tangent about that. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, it is, it is, multiplayer is the best way to hang out with people right now. And I think the best way you can hang out with somebody right now is playing a game like Starcross, where you get to. I'm trying to figure out how I want to say this. The gameplay does not overtake the time you're sharing with each other, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, you can have a little bit of a conversation and just kind of hang out while you're playing this game. Like, I don't, because I haven't played the story mode, I don't know how that is it just like cut scenes in between the stages or yeah so we we present all of the narrative through these uh visual novel style cutscenes. so i think the um, based on what you're saying like this provides even more opportunity for you to like slow down have a moment have yeah. a conversation like digest what is happening in the story and also like i don't know talk talk strategy you know <laughs> things like yeah, that the gameplay kind of <laughs> oh, ramps yeah, up and no, down exactly yeah. 
the gameplay sort of ramps up and down and in difficulty, and we wanted to make sure that there was like some pauses there, so you can kind of like recoup. Mm-hmm. You can put the controller down if you want, take a yeah. breather, chat about it a little bit, yeah. and the dialogue really helps break that up. That's that. I, th- I think y- the game that you guys have made is is the game that most people need to be playing right now. And Thank if you. we have anything to say about it, it's it it's going to be a big hit next week. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I hope people yeah see it on the storefront and 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 pick it up and give it a chance. Well, so there, there is a, a reason huge that hit we haven't followed you guys for three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think um I think something also that I wanted to mention as we're talking about like more more feminine aesthetics in games, um something that we get a lot when we demo the game is that people look at it and they. Uh, make a quick judgment that it's like a casual game or it's really easy or um, no. it's only narrative. People think it's a visual no, it's novel. It's not very easy. Exactly. But I, I mean, we wanted to fight against that stereotype a little bit. Like the game is still designed to be accessible and easy to pick up, but we did want to make sure that we had some sort of challenging gameplay in there and that we were, you know, making it good and balanced and, and, and awesome. Uh, so Mike, Mike handled all that. And the yeah. game is awesome. Um, but I think like, yeah, just like seeing people make that like snap judgment because the game has women in it or like characters who are not men. Oh, um, man. you know, yeah, it's, the, it's, the it's fascinating. amount of times at an event where two people walk up and like one person is encouraging the person. Yeah, let's play this game. Let's play this game. Like, ah, all right. Yeah. And like 10 seconds in their eyes are locked on the screen. Like, Oh, oh God. Yeah, once we get them to play it, they're in. Right. But, yeah. Like, and, we, and, we, see that hesitation sometimes and let me tell you guys i'm a 35 year old dude who's been playing video games his entire life it is not easy (laughs) (laughs) not an easy game yeah i mean it's we've we've even like um beaten dark souls (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i I think like um, it's not easy (laughs) we were talking about um kids as well like Mm. we we have had times where we've been at events and we have these really cute um plastic controllers that are like the see-through plastic so you can see the inside kind of like old yeah. school game boys which i love um but usually when we when we demo we have like one green one and then we have a pink one and we've actually had times where young boys will come up and refuse to use the pink controller and it's things like that <laughs> that i really i don't know it makes me i don't know I don't know, gender 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 is weird um but i think like those are the sort of moments where we, yeah, we see that hesitation of, of approaching something feminine or like right. wanting to engage with something feminine um, and being put off by it. But then once we get them to sit down and play it, like they literally will not leave for an hour and we have to kick them off. Um, see, I, I can see the opposite thing happening as well, because my daughter, I, 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 we have not done anything to to encourage her to love this or that. Mm-hmm. She has just naturally attracted to pink stuff she yeah. loves pink stuff i have not done anything to <laughs> actively encourage her to like pink. yeah i think it's um i was definitely like um so uh, me and my sister we were both um like my mom did not we did want not watch disney princess movies we were actually like guided away from a lot of that content but it's like completely unavoidable right when this is what your friends are into when you go to their house this is what what the, what they have what toys they have so i think you like it's it's just it's kind of everywhere yeah right um and i think yeah this is a big discussion but i think like this is something that we want to challenge when we think about games and technology right we want yeah. girls to be engaging with this and we also want you know um boys or more masculine you know people and kids to realize that like because it's feminine doesn't mean it's a certain way or that it's, you know, not going to be fun or not for you. 
and and that's the the last the kind of the last thing I think I'll I'll, I'll comment on this because we could mm. really have this conversation for yeah ever in a I've got feelings <laughs> <laughs> is that is that your your you know as as a parent your kids are gonna like what they're gonna like and mm-hmm. my daughter likes princesses and the color pink but she also loves dragons. Dragons, yes. Dragons, dragons, dragons. <laughs> Big, ugly, grotesque dragons. Really awesome, super cute dragons. All Your of daughter them. sounds so cool. She <laughs> is. She's really cool. Aww. She is. She is having a rough time right now because she is in in a family of four. She is the single extrovert, and she is <laughs> having a time. <laughs> oh no! But. That's where something like this that 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 even though I, I I don't expect either of us to be particularly good at playing this game together, it's not going to matter because it's the time that she values the time spent together doing mm-hmm. this. That is that's the most important thing to her. It's not whether we win or lose. It's that we're spending time together doing something together. And that's what yeah. I'm most excited about for mm-hmm. next week. Yay. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait. Uh, it comes out next. Is it Wednesday? Wednesday, the, the 29th. 29th. For $9.99 on the Xbox One and the Nintendo Switch. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting it, with us. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you for, uh, yeah, like entertaining our tangents. <laughs> oh, no, trust me. I... <laughs> I have, I have I've groomed myself away from tangents from eight years, but I'm a I'm a tangent person. I mean, you guys have talked with us. <laughs> He's on a tangent about tangents right now. Yeah, exactly. So I I I I am down to talk to you guys all night. Unfortunately, we cannot. Uh, um, where can people find you yes. guys to find not just this, but anything else you guys might be working on? Yeah, um, I'll I'll plug the the Starcross things. Um, so on Twitter, you can find us at Play Starcrossed. You can also find us at playstarcrossed.com. You can also find us on Steam if you just search Starcrossed. Um, I think that's all the big the big links. And also yeah. check us out on, on the Xbox One mm-hmm. and uh, Nintendo Switch digital stores next week. Or tomorrow? Tomorrow? I want the store pages to be live. You are right. Um, you'll be able to find us on this. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what's happening. Um, so we'll actually, our store pages will be live on the um, 22nd. So that's tomorrow. Um, so you can actually wishlist the game um, and get notified when it releases. And uh, On Xbox One and Switch. Yes. And uh, PlayStation 4, Thanks, COVID. <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately we were delayed a little bit. Um, so we'll be announcing on our um, social media as soon as we have a timeline for that. So hopefully it'll be soon. Uh, yeah, we're, we're bummed, but it'll, it'll happen just a little bit delayed. Yeah, I think anybody out there that's listening at the time that we're recording this is going to understand that sometimes <laughs> exactly. wrenches get thrown from the universe and yeah. we just have to try to dodge them. Yeah, um, but and the good so thing for is that um, this game is coming out on two of the three main platforms. <laughs> yes, yeah, which is like honestly, it's it's still like absolutely a dream come true yeah. for us. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and quickly just to plug um, some personal stuff. So again, yeah. I'm Cheska, and you can find me on Twitter um, at Chesky. So that's C E S C H I I I. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Flood. 
Um, it's Mike and then F-L-E-W-D. Um, and yeah. Yeah. When we Come post the episode, I will tag both of you guys as well as. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> to make it super, super easy for people to find. Uh, we will probably have you guys uh, to talk about games or whatever. <gasps> yes, please. Oh, we'd love to. Anytime. <laughs> um, we have been looking for other people to talk about nerdy stuff with. So we would love to have you come on. Even if we do a, a theme on Magical Girls, that would be cool. Or whatever you guys would want to do. Um, I'm, I'm Julie, there. How can people yes. find us? Uh, you guys can find us at themoreyounerd.com, Twitter at themoreyounerd, Facebook.com slash themoreyounerd. That's with the definitive article, the with everything. And of course, on all podcast platforms, as you're probably already listening to, so I don't know why I said that. 